Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression that work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. And we're working towards building people's control of government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guest is uh, Reverend Susan Sneed, the organizer working with uh, congregations and communications. And we're just going to get into what exactly is MCU. We're going to expand on some of these things I just mentioned and what it means. Uh, Susan, welcome. Hi, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So give us a little bit of a background. Uh, how did MCU start and, and what, what years are we talking about? Well, MCU really had its uh, genesis back in 1990 when clergy began to talk about needing to find um, a new and different ministry to address some of the issues that they were facing in their uh, communities. And these were clergy in the city of St. Louis and in the county. And uh, Reverend Rich Creason, uh, he really can be credited with bringing faith-based community organizing to St. Louis. As a member of the uh, Archdiocese staff, he was head of he was head uh, or assistant head. I'm not sure of the campaign for human development, and um, explored the idea of organizing. Um, it was put to him by one of his uh, bosses that that might be the way for us to go. And so it was about pulling whole congregations together around some of these issues that uh, people were seeing right outside their front door. Um, and we brought in uh, an organizing institute named Gamaliel out of Chicago, and their purpose was to pull churches together are not just churches, religious communities. It was ecumenical and it was interfaith. Pull them together in order to form uh, what we would, what we call powerful organizations, to affect change in our communities and to do it with that undergirding of not just this is good for other people, but this is good for me, and this is a powerful way to express my faith. So uh, a lot of people will say, you know, uh, churches getting involved in issues in the in the local community. That's that that's something that we we shouldn't cross. Um, you know, especially since you you generally have a variety of different people within your congregation that can come from all different walks of life. Where is our theological basis for uh, taking a stand on political issues? Well, everything in life is political everything. And community organizing is first and foremost about building and strengthening community. And so we knew everything that we were facing, like I say, at our front door, whether it was disinvestment, rising crime. Um, at that time in 1990 and 91, when we were pulling ourselves together, there was a lot of white flight going on. Um, and when you have that kind of turnover in a neighborhood, um, public investment just goes out the window. You don't have municipalities investing in specific areas because they've kind of given up on it. Um, and so it, churches in the beginning 
had to look at this as not just politics, like a Republican and a Democrat running for office, but politics in the sense that these are a set of public relationships that we need and we can work in order to better our, our communities and our lives here where we are. And so that's, what, that's how I look at politics. That's the politics of it, those public relationships that we use and are a part of in making these major decisions around our lives. One of the things that we talk about in um, um, MCU is, is a power analysis. And, mm-hmm. and, and wh- what, what is that? And, and when we're talking about bringing people together, what, how does that affect power dynamics within a, a, a region or a community? Well, when you, when you decide on your issue, and, and we want to be clear that a problem and an issue are two different things. So one of the things that we work on in MCU is education, but we look very specifically at education from the viewpoint of uh, out-of-school suspension and how that impacts kids. So when you do an up power analysis around that, you look at who who is involved in this, who is impacted by this, and who makes decisions about this. And from there, it's about relationship. Who do we have relationships with in order to impact decision makers to change, uh, change the issue, change, improve the issue, change it, improve our own lives and improve the lives of of everyone around us. So you look for the people who can make those big decisions. And then you, if you need to, you put some pressure on them to make that happen. And that we do through actions. And an action might be sitting outside a, a congressman's office and do a prayer vigil. It might be sitting in somebody's office until they they give up and decide to give you an appointment. Um, it might be putting a thousand people in a room to demand certain decision makers make changes that the community knows must be made. And, and some of that is is the community discovering its power too. Right? Absolutely. So that those that have influence now have one type of power, and then the community has a different type of power. Right. So that the the influencers um, generally have money as their power. And so what we demonstrate when we get a thousand people in a room is numbers. Well, and we look at the whole idea of power, you know, first and foremost, we're people of faith for the most part. And we look at God as our as the center of our power. But when we're functioning in the earthly realm with earthly issues, we know that in order to build power, you organize money and you organize people. So the people we see is very powerful. They do have a lot of money, uh, but they also have organized the right kind of people. And it's not about building relationships with just anybody you bump into. It's those relationships that can impact the issue that you're closest to, uh, the, the relationships that you can build that will get you to what we call our self-interest, that thing that you want the most. And so, yeah, when we're, we're working on issues and we're working with these decision makers, it's important for us to show our power that we can organize people. And those organized people are impacted people. They live in communities that are impacted and they are voters. And, uh, Always, when you bring somebody in whose livelihood depends on you voting for them, they sit up and take notice when they, you put 400, 500, 1,000 people in a room. 
Now, I think there's this, the story uh, uh, in in the past about Buzz Westfall and yeah, and, and and how that was. Uh, the the numbers that he faced in a public meeting yes. of ours uh, was was impressive to him. It was very impressive, and, and I think in the beginning, a lot of our church people just didn't think this would work. Um, but we knew that there's always going to be local issues are always impacted at a variety of different levels, and so we did have issues at Buzz Westfall. If he made the right decision, if he he had the right. Um, he could say yes or no and change things in the county in the first meeting we had in our first one of our first early organizations before we actually had MCU he did not show up and there was five or six hundred people in the room and television and all television showed was a chair that had Buzz Westfall's name on it and he never missed a meeting after that because he understood these people are serious and it wasn't a, the kind of meeting where everybody was going to pray over everybody else and hope for the best. We were asking very specifically, will you do X? Will you do this? Yes or no, Mr. Westfall. And he never missed a meeting, and um, we lost him way too soon. But the final meetings he attended, he knew. He answers a question, yes or no, and then he gets two minutes to respond, but only if he says yes. <laughs> we trained him. We had him perfectly trained. And yeah. And as a reminder for for those uh, who may be millennials or under a certain age, Buzz Westfall was the county executive, longtime county executive yes. uh, for the uh, St. Louis County. Right. Right. And that that uh, brings to a, a mind. I'm going to back up a little bit. Let's talk okay. a little bit about the. Gamaliel model and and how we fit into that and and what that means and it involves some of what we've already talked about but but what all is that? Well, Gamaliel, uh, their their purpose was to help churches congregations like ours here in St. Louis form organizations that could impact change in their community. So what that involved was uh, meetings with clergy, where clergy would talk to other clergy about how we could uh, begin to bring people together over these issues that everybody was concerned with. And gradually we built up, uh, right now MCU is over 40 churches, and um, it, it it wasn't it wasn't a really easy sell all the time because you know you bring up the politics you bring up the idea of uh, doing something that people can't readily identify people don't really identify uh, the work of God as sitting in a congressman's office trying to get an appointment but they do identify with the fact that there are people in their community who could uh, use maybe um, some reinvestment in their community. And that congressman could influence how banks loan money in our neighborhoods. And that people get that. They get it when it's close to home. And sometimes we have to help them understand uh, how much bigger these issues can be and why they, they need to be involved at every level. Um, and move beyond charity. So this was probably one of the hardest things, moving beyond charity. Uh, charity is that reaching out and helping people with an immediate need and uh, seeing the face of who needs you. And a service project, and it's more like doing to people. Charity is like doing to people. 
uh, service is doing with people. So you see the need and you work with somebody who is in need to help alleviate that need. But organizing is about understanding that the need is going to still be there unless you change the situation. And everybody needs to come together to change the situation, to change the root cause. And if you're lucky, you get to shut down your food pantry because nobody needs it. That would be one of your goals. So it it could be a hard sell to pull people together, but we did pull them together into um, three organizations in St. Louis to begin with. And then in 19, by 1997, we realized we needed to be one big organization. And that's how Metropolitan Congregations eventually came about, was we all kept talking um, and knew some of these issues were much bigger than just a neighborhood over here and a neighborhood over there. We needed all the churches in St. Louis to pull together on issues. Okay, great. And one of the things we, we talk about um, in, in our the opening here is, is that we're doing work in, uh, in the intersection of race, economy, political power, and gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those can be some very uncomfortable yeah. uh, places to have conversations, um, and especially in St. Louis. Um, where uh, uh, racial power and and um, uh, allocation of resources is, is, is a real problem. Um, you talk about why why it's important and, and and what I guess what I'm asking is is why it's important to go into those places and and how we do that. Go into those uncomfortable Un- places? uncomfortable places, yeah. Well, those uncomfortable places are where um, that's where our issues sit. When we talk about uh, our schools, uh, we see the unevenness in our schools, and it's all around money. But then when you look a little bit deeper, you see race there, and you see classism there. And when we go back to the scripture, we're told these are not supposed to be the issues that we judge people on, and these, this is not what you look at when you're uh, distributing your resources. We're supposed to lift everybody up. Um, and sometimes it can be really hard going into some congregations with the idea that race might be the issue for them. Um, this really came to a head with Michael Brown's death, and we realized it sort of shifted our work in MCU because we realized Racism, while it was always the sort of whisper in the background problem, this was really at the forefront of everything that we were doing. And we realized we had to tackle it head on and really begin to talk more and more about the, the racism that is a part of every issue that we work, whether it's allocating uh, money for education, whether it's training the police, um, whether it's how many police are actually on the ground in a certain area, how we treat our juveniles in a court system, it all comes down to race. It's not about playing the race card. That card's out on the table. All the cards are race cards, every single one, when you really examine each of these issues. And it's very uncomfortable for congregations who see themselves as good people to believe that they might be complicit in a system like this. But I think that's part of what helps them be complicit is people keep telling them, but you're really nice and you're really good and you tell everybody Jesus loves you. Therefore, how can you be a bad person and be racist? But it, it 
it's very insidious. It's very down deep in your bones. And we've just had to really work through conversation and action and and just keep it's, it's something we just have to keep plowing ahead a little at a time on a consistent basis. And, and I think one of the, the one of the phrases I really like um, is that we we work on that oppression within us individually within mm-hmm. our organizations. We are not shying away from our own history and our own upbringing, especially as, right. as, as white members of this community of being part of that uh, oppression and, and then also seeing how that's at work within us. What, what's kind of some of the, the steps that we, we use to, to work through it, even within ourselves? You know, one of the real important things that we did after Michael Brown was our sacred conversations on race plus action. And that was a series of conversations in congregations around race and looking at how race and power are related uh, in our own communities and helping people tell the story of their lives um, where race was concerned. A lot of people didn't think they had those stories until they began to hear other people. And pretty soon everybody, and this was in the white congregations, everybody had a story. Everybody could say, I remember, I remember. They remembered the black kid in school. They remembered what happened here. They remember watching things on TV. Um, and we began to have those conversations. And the the striking thing about that series of conversations is there was never a real true wrap-up. People were left in sort of attention to continue to struggle. Um, and that was probably one of the better things that we did was push people to think about how do you relate to race? Where is your own racism? Don't shy away from it. Don't get angry about it. Just sit there and think about this and pay attention. Um, I, I had more people say, I'm going to pay more attention. I have started paying more attention. They were paying attention to what they were watching on TV, what they were reading in the paper, what they were saying to each other, what they were thinking about and catching themselves and realizing it's Like I say, it's not one card, it's every card, and people were beginning to see that. But it's constantly pushing that out there and asking people to pay attention to to it and and their part of it. And I think, again, I want to come back to two, is that we are are not uh, shying away from it in ourselves. It's something that that we even have to keep reexamining again and again because um, – you know, we as white folks can have a tendency to overpower a situation, overpower an organization, and and push marginalized folks to the, to the margins. Right. Um, and and so we have to continually check ourselves and 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 work on that internally. So it's not about saying that organization is is bad. We're good. It's right. it's about realizing the whole situation that we're in and and constantly be con- being conscious of that. Right. And, and it can be very explicit in that, um, you know, sometimes when we're in training rooms, uh, Gamaliel has uh, in 16 states, they have 41 organizations and we do national trainings and we do race work in these trainings. Um, and we talk a lot as trainers that we need to be very conscious as white people to step back 
and resist the urge to be the expert in the room, to, to resist the urge to want to jump in and take the lead, just to sit back and, and let other people have a chance. Um, it's something that's very hard sometimes for white people if they're in a room with other minorities. And that conversation, I, I've, I've been in the room when some of those conversations have taken place, and it, it, it's a whole new perspective mm-hmm. uh, that, that, you know, we feel that we can understand intellectually, but we, we tend to be at a distance. And when we hear the, the voices of those that are marginalized, um, then all of a sudden those, it becomes, the emotion becomes a lot more real and it, it, it's a depth that we don't right. even really understand. Right. And it's something that we have to continually struggle with. Um, I'm going to shift. Uh, we've just got a few minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about public meetings. These are s- sort of the center of what we do. We talked a little bit about the pressure that we've put on people in the past. Uh, w- what is the goal of a of public meeting? And, and, and we've got one coming up on November 3rd. So. Right. Well, the, the primary goal of a public meeting is to be sure that we pull together as many people in the room as possible. But we also want to make sure everybody understands you're there to be informed about an issue, what it is, what we think the um, solution is, and to put the decision makers in the room who could actually change things. So like putting Buzz Westfall in the room, like putting we put Mayor Slay in the room before and, and just shocked the bejesus out of him because they don't always realize an issue is that important until they see five, 600 people in a room saying, yes, this is important, and what are you going to do about it? Um, and it, it can move an issue like nothing else. Uh, you can write as many letters as you want. One person can march up and down with a sign, but nothing beats putting several hundred people in a room and making a demand and just daring that person to say no. Yeah. And this is this is something that we're very, it, it's very intentional. And we talk about, creating the tension yeah um in in this event so that it's almost like we've decided we're not going to skate around this yes uh there there is tension on this let's not skate around let's let's put it out in front and and get some commitment right tension is good we tend to shy away from tension we want everybody to feel good and and i've you know, sat and struggled with people who said, but we're the church, we're supposed to be nice. And then they don't want to acknowledge that Jesus just threw tables all over the place in the middle of the temple. Um, So yeah, it's about creating that tension of making sure you are very explicit about what the problem is, what the issue is, and bringing people to testify to that, and making a very specific demand of the person who could make the change. Okay, excellent. So what are some of the things that we're working on uh, in fall of uh, 2019, If in case you're listening to this at another time of the year? Um, uh, what are some of the things that, are, are, that we as MCU have on our plate right now? Uh, one of the, we have what we call the school to prison pipeline campaign, and that's made up of um, education issues, primarily out of school suspension. Uh, we have a really high rate of African American kids who get suspended, and we're trying to bring down the level overall of who gets out of school suspension and and how it's used. And, 
And we're also working on making sure that uh, police departments that provide school resource officers have very clear written memorandums of understanding between them and the school district they serve to be sure that um, everybody knows whose job is whose. Uh, The police officer's job is law enforcement and safety. It is not discipline, and we want to be sure that that's very clear and in writing. Um, We're also working on our juvenile court system. Uh, The St. Louis County juvenile court system is under a consent decree right now, so we're working with those officials and some of the judges to make sure that they are um, doing what they're supposed to do with this consent decree. And in the mean, and we've also created what we call our uh, family engagement partnership, where we will put volunteers with families who are already engaged in the legal system, and also pushing judges to make sure that they're not just pushing kids in detention, but finding those restorative practices and keeping kids out of the system as much as possible. Those are probably the three biggest things that we're working on right now, those areas right there. And that's something that's been going on for uh, a year or two, a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah, almost three, three or four, actually, maybe even more. And then we've always been kind of engaged with voter engagement ballot initiatives, knocking on doors, talking to people in the community about these issues. Okay, excellent. And um, what? just briefly, what are, uh, we've, we actually have a variety of congregations and organizations that we right. work with, so we're not, we're not one denomination. Can you no. speak a, a bit about sort of the variety? That's always been the important thing. Everybody shares a concern for the community. It's not just one faith or another. So we have United Methodist, Baptist, we have the Ethical Society, we have Jewish communities, we have uh, Muslim communities, Presbyterians, Episcopalians. If you have a faith, we probably have a church who belongs. Uh, and your own church may be in, you may not even know it. Uh, and if your church isn't in, you should certainly try to, to get in. Okay, that's going to about wrap it up for this okay. this first episode here. I want to thank uh, Reverend Susan Sneed, the uh, organizing uh, organizer working with Congregations and Communications. Uh, to find out more about Metropolitan Congregations United, go to our website, mcustlewis.org. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. If you would like to participate and find out what we're all about every third Tuesday of the month, uh, join us. You can find details on our website and social media outlets. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.